Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. The start of another week, episode 143. We're recapping the whole weekend for you guys. But really, the whole weekend belonged to UFC 266. Dominic Lee, how are you feeling after being on the come down? It's one of those, you know, day after fight hangovers, I suppose. And boy, did UFC 266 deliver top to bottom 14 fights. Nearly every one of them absolutely incredible with great takeaways. We're going to talk about our biggest ones, the biggest fights, the best performances, all that today. It's going to be a blast. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling damn good, Noah. How about yourself? Feel good. Um, I did have a interesting night, I guess you could say. Uh, <laughs> so you know what i'll detail it on here i'll get okay. i'll give the details okay so i i watched the fights at a friend's house the the house i'm always at yeah fights end around what time would you say dom like one a little about before one one yeah one o'clock okay um another guy that i'm friends with that hangs out there comes back from the bars at like two Cause I'm staying up to watch the press conference. Yeah. Because I expect to hear Dana speak. It doesn't happen. Right. So that's already thrown off this night. <laughs> yeah. But then um, my friend shows up and um, he comes in. He's like, dude, I want McDonald's. I'm so hungry. And I'm like, I want McDonald's too. And he's like, all right, I'm going to DoorDash it. So we DoorDash McDonald's. But Dominic... I don't know if you reckon, remember this from your days at Bowling Green. That make that McDonald's down towards the the uh, highway. Okay, is off the fucking hook at oh. the at that hour. Oh yeah, post bars. The that McDonald's is out. The line is out the on the street and everything. Yeah, they're swimming so, in money there. So you're it's a long wait if you go there. So our wait was going to be like, we ordered it at probably 2.30. Yeah. And it's not going to get to our location until about 4. Oh, Lord. But we're like, all right, we can do this. So I think we're just chilling. Like, we're getting exhausted. I'm getting exhausted. Like, I'm just like, okay, I don't even, I'm not even that hungry anymore. I just want to go to bed. But now I've already, I'm too, I'm in too deep. You're committed, right? Yeah. So then four comes and still nobody's picked up the food. Four fifteen comes. Our driver has waited in line for a while. He's been in like he's been waiting forever. And we're like, man, come on, dude. Like, let's go. Yeah. And then he cancels the order. Oh. At like four fifteen in the morning. We're like, well, now we're in too deep. So I drive us over to that McDonald's. I'm like, we we will get McDonald's, damn it. Right. Line's not too long at this point. Still more cars than you would expect. <laughs> so we get in line, and we're, like, debating it. We're like, is this really worth it? We could just go to bed. Like, is, you know, I'm not even that hungry anymore. But we decide to stay, stay to par for the course. Yeah. Stay, you know, go down with the ship, if you will. And then uh, we're getting closer, and I look at the menu, and I can see it's breakfast items. Oh, Fuck. I'm like, it's breakfast. And he's like, all right, well, you know, that sucks, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll switch it up a little bit. <laughs> we get up to order and uh, they're like, all right, uh, hello, uh, we are breakfast only, cash only. So if that's okay, then 
go ahead with your order. I'm like, you're what now? Uh, breakfast only, cash only. Uh, coming in. Breakfast only. Yeah, yeah, I heard that part. What was the second part? Yeah. Cash only. Hmm. I'm you got any no cash, cash on you? <laughs> I had nine. I had nine dollars in cash on me. The reason being that I had faulty purchases made on my debit card this past week, so I had to cancel my card, and I've been carrying cash. Yeah. But I was not smart. Didn't get enough cash out to last me until I get my card. So I only had nine bucks left, and I'm like, so I spent my last nine dollars on six sausage burritos from McDonald's in a in a large Coke to split with my buddy. So the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen, is never ever go to McDonald's during those hours. Nothing good is, can come of it. That is life lessons with Noah today. <laughs> Nothing good can come of it. All right. Dominic, any thoughts on that before we move on? It's just an unfortunate set of circumstances, especially after an incredible night of fights where you're really on a high, and that's such a quick come down, it seems. So yeah. But were so, the burritos good? Oh yeah. All three of them were fantastic. I mean well, the thing is, though, we'll see if I'm able to eat today. We'll see if I can find something in the garbage because that was the last of my money <laughs> and it's Sunday and there ain't uh, no banks giving me money today. So I'll keep you guys updated if I eat or not. But uh, yeah. <laughs> regardless, let's get to the fight announcements. All right. First, we start with the denouncement. The bad news just carries over. Yeah. Al Sterling the current UFC Bantamweight champion is out of his scheduled rematch with Peter Yan. This was supposed to happen October 30th at UFC 267 in Abu Dhabi. Dominic, I think a lot of people aren't too surprised about this one. It seemed like Aljamain was kind of doing a quick, pretty quick turnaround for a guy yeah. coming off a of neck surgery. Um, so not a lot of people being too surprised. Some of Aljamain, you know, Aljamain's interview with Ariel, he didn't seem all that um, didn't seem all that a hundred percent. You know, he was talking a lot about his recovery. It seemed like it was falling behind and stuff. Yeah. And so I can't say I'm surprised about this one, but my question for you involves a replacement because uh, that's very clear that an interim title is going to be introduced and Peter Yan will stay on this card. But uh, TJ Dillashaw will not be available. Yeah. Uh, his knee looked like hamburger six days ago yeah. due to his knee surgery. Hmm. Um, but good for him that he's getting that fixed. However, because that clear number one contender after Jan doesn't get the shot, so who do you think should get it? And maybe who do you think will? Uh, so, I mean, it really comes down to two, but I feel like it's still pretty clear who should, and it's simply Corey Sanhagen, right? Because he had the number one contender fight with T.J. Dillashaw, one of the best fights of the year. Tip for tap for five rounds. You could have argued uh, that Sanhagen won the fight. TJ ultimately gets the nod. TJ is unable to fill in due to his knee surgery. So in step, Corey Sanhagen versus Peter Yan. I think that's a fantastic matchup. And, you know, Sanhagen's a guy that the UFC has been high on for quite some time. 
they even basically made a pinky promise. I think he said after his fight with TJ with uh, Sean Shelby, it was where, uh, yeah, you just go fight one more and win and you'll still get the title fight. Well, looks like he might not have to fight one more at all. He might step in there. And, uh, you know, I have no problem with it all. It's weird because it would be one of the first, not the first interim title fights ever. Yeah, with two guys coming in to fight for the belt, both coming off of losses. Mm -hmm. So uh, definitely a unique story there, but it feels so right at the same time. I have no issue at all. Corey Sanhagen, Peter Young. See, I'm a little surprised because you typically are the guy that would be very, yeah. at least out of the two of us, I feel like you'd be more the stickler on the, the whole coming in off a loss. I thought Rob Font would definitely be the guy that you might uh, choose to be in that title fight, but kind of agree with you. Um, Rob Font would have been fine. I would have been completely, honestly, either one of them. Like, I don't think Sanhagen is like a million times more deserving than Font. Like I, Sanhagen, I think still has the more, like the higher ceiling of the two in the division, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And, you know, not to overlook Rob Font, I'm just, purely speculating but um in terms of in this matchup i mean sanhagen had a super close fight with tj dillashaw a lot of people think Corey sanhagen won that fight so you know it it was a loss but like being that close kind of makes sense and peter yan obviously i know he lost his last fight via disqualification a fight that he was purely dominating towards the end there against Aljamain. So it's weird circumstances that led us here to the first title fight where both guys come on off losses. That sounds weird. Yeah. But it it makes sense once you actually kind of dig a little deeper, you know. Exactly. Weird how Peter Yan get matched up. He seems to always get matched up with guys coming off losses. Jose Aldo. True. That was up a loss in his debut against Marlon Rice and now here with uh, Corey Sanhagen. It appears Sanhagen will be the replacement too. Yeah. Just uh um not sure if that'll be announced before this gets posted, but it looks like that's where we're heading. So yeah. gonna be a lot of a lot of fun. That kind of changes up the dynamics of the matchup too. Oh, just yes. You know, we feel like we kind of know what we might get from Sterling and Jan too, just since the first fight. Sterling looked good early, but faded fast and Jan really took over. While I still give Jan a pretty big advantage in this fight, you know, San Hagen's fantastic and can really do some things that, uh, dare I say, pull rabbits out of that, but yeah, more so just the guy's very skilled on the feet. But Jan has showed to just be a complete buzzsaw that can really, really dominate a fight anywhere it goes. So um, it's going to be interesting, though, just because we haven't seen these two fight and really wasn't expecting to for a while. And here we are getting it a lot sooner than we thought. I can't say I'm not excited. Mm-hmm. Following that one, we've already talked about this one, but it's official. And due to kind of everything that happened Saturday night, I feel like it's worth talking about again. November 13th gets its headliner. Yep. It's official. Max Holloway will have to get through one more. Against number three ranked Yair Rodriguez, making his return nearly two years to the day when he beat Jeremy Stevens. Um Dominic, I you know, match if you go by rankings, this this matchup makes perfect sense. Of course. Number two, Brian Ortega just fought for the title Saturday night. So number one, Max Holloway, number three, Ayer Rodriguez haven't fought before. Makes perfect sense, right? However, you dig a little deeper into these resumes, 
And Yair Rodriguez's resume has set him up for a complete failure here. This is a guy who's fought four times since the start of 2018. Um, two of those being to Jeremy Stevens, one no contest, and that lasted less than a minute. And then, so really, he's got three wins, I think, since the start of 2018. That kind of inactivity is just not going to cut it against a guy like Max Holloway, who coming off of just killer type performances. Yeah. And a guy who's so motivated to get back to that title shot. Help me out here, Dominic. Tell me this that the UFC's not kind of putting Yair in a no-win situation here. Yeah, it definitely feels that way, right? Because again, Holloway coming off that amazing performance against Cater, you could argue he doesn't even need to fight again. He's just such a gamer that he's like, you know what, screw it. If I can't get the fight and he's waiting, obviously, for what happened at UFC 266, he wants to get another fight in. Who's left to uh, check off that he hasn't beaten? Yair Rodriguez. Uh, well, I will say it's a striker's delight on paper. It's is a whole different beast for Yair, a huge step up, especially when you look at, okay, his last fight was against Jeremy Stevens. You look at where Jeremy Stevens is now in his career, and it's like, oh, Max Holloway, former champion. He's only getting better, it seems. So, yeah, it doesn't really point in a good direction for Yair. If he comes out and wins, it would be quite shocking, and he could earn himself a title shot off of it. We'll see what happens. It will be quite shocking if he gets a win. I just think going in, like, man, it's the odds are stacked against him big time here. I'm not even yeah. sure how he is still num- ranked number three in the division, yeah. truthfully. I think that might speak to a lot of the stagnation that's kind of happened at the top of this division. This division's fantastic, but you've essentially had two guys fighting for the belt. Really, those these top three, if you go Volkanovski, yeah. All the way in Ortega have dominated the title fights since 2018, you know. Yeah. So Yair's kind of been able to skate by, I guess, in a way. You know, Zabit falls out, so that kind of helps him even move up. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of weird how he's kind of been able to go under the radar. You know, you ever watch those Royal Rumbles back in the day, Dominic? Oh, and, yeah. You know, there was always that one guy that that one guy that nobody liked, and he would try to hide outside the ring while everybody's fighting it all in the yeah. ring, you know? Yeah. That feels like what Yair's doing while these these featherweights have been beating the shit out of each other for the last few years, putting on bangers. Um, no disrespect to Yair, though. Great fighter. I just, I'm a little worried about him here. I think this is a tough – This is a, I mean, you're literally coming back after two years off to fight Max fucking Holloway. That yeah, just, tough draw. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to wrap it up for the fight announcements. And we're going to move on to a little sense of deja vu. Uh, that's the worst feeling, huh? Yep. And it doesn't get better when you look a little <laughs> deeper here. According to ESPN, John Jones, it's great. John Jones is in the news, was arrested Friday morning for battery, domestic violence, and injuring and tampering with a vehicle. Now, Dominic, this comes less than 12 hours after John Jones had been inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame for his fight with Alexander Gustafson, um, I watched his. I watched the ceremony, his interview or his speech. I mean, was very heartfelt. You know, he gave quite an emotional um, shout out or tribute to his fiance and kids who were there. So, I know the easy answer here is not surprised and. You know, this is deja vu. It's happened so many times with John Jones. How could you be surprised? But, well, I don't know if I'm just at this point 
you know, done. No, Dominic, hold on. Let me finish my point. I don't know if it's just that um, I'm kind of a gullible, but I continue to fall for it. You know, I just I continue to to believe in his recovery and his and and what you know. Every time he kind of feels like he's building himself back up, and then it just always seems like maybe it's just for the cameras, or if he just really is trying to be that guy, but it, he maybe when he's drinking or partying, he just falls back into these habits. I don't know. Help me, you know, give me some help here. What 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 what's going through your mind after seeing this news? It's just this is the John Jones story, right? Something amazing happens in his athletic career or in, you know, in the UFC. And then it always seems that within a day, it all just goes by the wayside here and he does it again. This is like his fifth or sixth arrest since he's been in the UFC and been the champion and stuff. So uh, it's just a bad look. And again, like you said, you can't help but want to cheer for the guy in a sense, because you want to see him turn that page. But at some point, you just got to kind of put that book on the shelf because it's just the same thing over and over again. This is awful. Again, we don't have all the details, so you don't want to speculate too much. But from what we read, uh, it's truly something you don't want to see in the headlines with anyone, especially a huge sports star with so many eyes on them. And uh, the fact that it happened right after being inducted into the Hall of Fame for his greatness and uh, the fight with Gus and everything, it's just uh, it's an uncomfortable situation for everybody. And, you know, Dana said it best, it seems like, He's always had these demons to battle, and it looks like he still does to this day. So um, it just looks like he needs help. You know, I, I don't know if it's ever really been seeked before. And you, obviously, we've seen him kind of go out of his way to do like service when it was required and all this stuff. But it really looks like he needs some help, whether that be, a, you know, a rehab or a, a therapy, or I don't know what the case may be. And I don't want to, again, dig into personal life too much of a fighter. But when it's someone that's so great, and you see, like, he's already at the top of the list for so many people. And that's with all of these other things in between. Imagine had none of this ever happened. You could times his accomplishments by five, if not ten. Um, so he's just a freak of nature that we unfortunately never really got to see the true potential, which is kind of crazy in my mind because you're like, well, what, what could his potential be? Look at all he's done. I do feel that way with John. So, again, hopefully some help is on the way and, yeah. It's just an unfortunate, uncomfortable set of circumstances once again. Yeah, he he might be the best fighter of all time, but it, if we got to see him as true, reach his true potential, he would have clearly been the best fighter of all time. Yeah. And I mean, truthfully, does this arrest really prevent him from future bouts? I don't know. Probably not. I mean, he's, he's still probably going to make that jump to heavyweight and will probably still see him next year likely fighting the winner in Ganu surreal gone it's just you know if you're the UFC you do have to kind of wonder like is it worth it yes you know there has to this has to cross your mind eventually I mean I'm I'm sure they'll still go go ahead, go full speed ahead and I can't blame them for it because I'm sure there's a lot of money to be made from a potential in Ganu Jones matchup but I don't at some point is he too much of a liability? Can you trust him to be a champion outside of the octagon? I'm not even saying he's got to be a perfect human being. He can party. He can do whatever. But the problem is if you're doing things that make it to where the UFC might have to strip you of a title, you know, if you're getting arrested for these kind of serious, serious issues, you know, 
does it that doesn't put a lot of trust, a lot of faith in the UFC to have in him to really carry it out the right way. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely disappointed again. You know, and maybe that's egg on my face at this point. But I think a lot of it's just. Maybe it's a maybe it's all based on our own personal experiences, but you know I've seen a lot of people making fun of John Jones for this, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe he kind of deserves to have that little shit, kind of like shit thrown at him, I guess. Mm-hmm. But to me, I always feel like it's kicking a man while he's down, and this is a guy that's battled so many demons. We don't really know what to what extent, and um, you know, so I would. Just, Anybody, I guess, that would care to listen, I would just recommend maybe don't like, don't continue bashing the guy while he's already, you know, going through it. I mean, hey, the the details of the arrest are there, not making him look out to be like some great yeah. guy, but just you know, I don't know, just feels weird to kind of for a guy who potentially is battling a lot of demons to kind of continue to throw more at them just doesn't seem like a right mindset to have in my opinion, but you know, to each their own. Yeah. Everybody want to get that cloud on Twitter, do whatever you want, I guess. Right. Anyways, before we move on to UFC 266, Dom, we have some things that we missed. Of course. Dana White, man, does so many interviews on the, on the weeks of uh, pay-per-views and Typically, while they're all good listens, and you know, Dana White's always a fun guy to listen to talk. Problem is, you don't always get a lot of, there's not a lot of meat on the bones sometimes, you know. You know, he typically keeps his cards close to his chest, if you will. But this week, man, he gave a lot of good, a lot of good bites for us to really dig into here and speculate on. Um, He did an interview with Robbie Fox of Barstool Sports. Big Robbie guys, we like Robbie. Oh yeah, and um, he confirmed the UFC is planning right now. Jorge Masvidal versus Leon Edwards likely to happen in January. So Dominic, hearing that, well, what does that what does that make you think here, man? Is this is it? In, in, does this fight feel like this is a fight that has a lot of history behind it, right? The oh yeah, three the three piece in a soda that happened. Uh, that was kind of the what kicked off Jorge Masvidal's run he went on that turned him into a star. Mm-hmm. But does it feel like this fight for a long time, all the fans were clamoring for it. And it feels like we're at a point where people have kind of stopped asking for it for the most part. Have the UFC kind of missed the boat on this one, or is this still going to be a big fight? See, this was a fight that at one point looked like it could be massive, right? Because mm-hmm. Jorge was just beginning to come into that superstardom. Leon was obviously still on his win streak, and he had just gotten a win there in London as well on that same card. So, uh, yeah, it felt like it at one point could have been much bigger. But, I mean, Jorge's, I guess, a bigger star now than he would have been then. It's just not really in the prime of that run that could have happened. But I digress. They've went on such different paths, or paths since uh, that thing with the three piece in the soda, the punching backstage and the trash talk and stuff happened. But I still feel like that hatred and the rivalry uh, can still be there regardless. This is, you know, guys like this, when they have history with one another, they want to have it settled eventually. So, you know, better late than never is a great saying to put with this fight. It makes sense in terms of, you know, implications with their future of the division. I know it may seem for Leon and I'm, you know, I'm a 
big I'd like to think I'm a pretty decent sport early on in terms of his title shot but mm-hmm. it just it's not in your cards so you might as well go out and fight one more time uh, against one of the biggest names in the sport and Jorge Masvidal it's a very good matchup stylistically too so it could be a very fun fight Leon the real patient technical boxer and you know Jorge a fantastic striker in his own right but he's going to bring that pressure to Leon won't really force him to fight his own fight I think it's exciting uh, and it, it is a fight at the end of the day that makes sense, and I'm all for that here on this show. Listen, I want if this fight becomes official, I want anybody who has accused the UFC of not being in support of Leon Edwards, they they are you no longer are allowed to listen to those people because even though he hasn't gotten a title shot, this will mean that his last two fights have been against Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal. Leon Edwards, a guy who, I mean, really is a great fighter, but to be put in matchups with these stars who could be making big money with each other, you know, we're not, we don't love the idea of Jorge Masvidal fighting Nate Diaz a second time, but you can't tell me that wouldn't make a lot more money than either of those two against Leon Edwards. So this, UFC is investing in Leon Edwards with these matchups. Yeah. He does still have to go out there and perform. And against Nate Diaz, for the better part of 25 minutes, he did. He looked really good. He put yeah. a beating on him. Problem is, that last minute's always going to be the thing that sticks with people. Which is so unfortunate. It really is. But now against Jorge Masvidal, I think what's crazy about this fight is when Jorge Masvidal kind of started that that run he had where he just looked like he was he was baptizing people yeah. is what he called it. Yeah. At the time, I totally favored Leon in that fight. I said, this is a bad matchup for Masvidal. I don't blame him for not wanting to take it. The guy's on mm-hmm. this huge run. You know, yeah, go for the Nate Diaz fight. Like, don't make your money. Like, why would you take the Leon Edwards fight? And and now that Jorge's come back down to earth, you know, back-to-back title losses to Kamaru Usman, and Leon still looks very good. I almost think that this is this matchup has gotten a lot closer in my mind. And I don't know if that's just me getting, you know, smarter or whatever, just growing in the sport, or if I just think that at this point, like I, I look at it like Leon's gonna have a technical advantage, mm-hmm. but Masvidal gonna have a clear power advantage. And um I would even say that I think Masvidal has more weapons than Leon in terms of weapons that could actually finish a fight, especially while Leon's just going to be so consistent, so precise, yeah, um, hard to find those holes. But Nate Diaz did find it with the one overhand that he was able to kind of land flush and hurt him. So that kind of that moment, while <laughs> probably being more significant in the minds of MMA community that than Dominic would prefer. But I do think that moment could say something about maybe the chin of Leon Edwards. You know, is it really able to hold up over the course of a fight with a guy like Masvidal who's going to throw with a lot more venom behind his punches than Nate Diaz did? But also, you know, Masvidal just got knocked out for the first time in a long time. You know, was he starting to fall in? Is he starting to fall on that downward spiral a little bit? Right. Is his chin not going to hold up? You know, Leon's no slouch either. So. It's a great fight. And in some ways, the fight makes a lot of sense now. You know, I, I, I get why people wanted it 
for the last couple of years and why everybody was begging for it. Mm-hmm. But to me, it didn't really make sense until, like, in in terms of, I guess I'm not speaking competitively. I'm speaking more, I guess, not necessarily even from a money-making perspective. It's like a combination of the two. I felt like the last couple of years, it was either Masvidal had bigger opportunities to make more money or obviously he was in title fights for the last couple of years. So I felt like it didn't make sense to really do that fight because, like, why would he go for that when he's got these opportunities? Exactly. But now this opportunity, I think, makes perfect sense. You got Masvidal who kind of doesn't have that those opportunities right now. He's looking to get back into another title fight. Yep. Leon is really just got he's knocking on the door, you know. It's it's this one, and then there's nothing left ahead besides another fight with Usman. The fight makes a lot of sense now, and I'm kind of surprised. I just I think it's interesting that people have uh aren't they don't seem as excited or as invested in this fight as they would have been obviously right when i guess the incident happened a couple years ago yeah any other thoughts on that one it's time all right also kevin ioli and robbie fox uh, in their interviews with dana they did talk about nate diaz and um, dana confirmed that the ufc are currently talking to nate about a fight but luke Vicente Luque, the guy that had kind of had that back and forth with Nate on Twitter, it appears is not one of the opponents that they are Hmm. uh, talking to Nate about. So, you know, Dominic, we can't always take everything Dana says, you know, at his word. Obviously, again, this is a guy that will sometimes play cards close to his chest. There's a lot of negotiation stuff going on. Can't always believe everything you hear. However, let's take it at face value just so we can speculate a little bit here. So let's assume that Nate Diaz is being scheduled to fight here soon, and it won't be against Vicente Luque. My question is, who would that fight be against? Because timetable, we're in um, September, near in October. Right. You know, <clears throat> I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, it must be the Connor trilogy. Completely disagree. They would yep. not be talking to Nate right now no. about the Connor trilogy when Connor probably won't be able to fight till at like July, June, July, you know? Yeah. So who do you think this could be? No, I think I have a clear person in my head because obviously it's not Jorge Masvidal either, right? <laughs> um, so uh, I think it's Tony Ferguson, my friend. Ooh, I really do. Nice, I think it's nice. two legends, two guys that the fans absolutely love and two guys on the downward end right it's there's no like Mm. debate in that statement i don't think still both incredible fighters i'm not saying that they aren't but tony you know obviously on the losing streak nate on a losing streak as well but still in a big fight and this is a huge fight to me and i think tony testing the waters at maybe 170 would make sense right now too on this back half of his career even though they could both fight at 155 as well but uh, i think it's a welterweight bout with tony ferguson really giving the fans a very, very fun fight that they've honestly been salivating for for quite some time. And right now, I can't say it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I would definitely not be against that one. I think that would be a lot of fun, obviously. It'd be, yeah. be quite a violent fight. And considering where both guys are in their careers, I feel like they are kind of on equal footing, at least yep. you would think going in. So that one could be a lot of fun. I'm going to throw another name at you. Okay. And I think this one is less likely to have been brought up to him 
I guess, in the lead up to this weekend. But um, coming off this weekend, what about Robbie Lawler? Oh, you see, that would be fun as well because see, again, kind of in the same boat. As I Tony. wanted to, I wanted to wait and talk about it. I guess once we talked about Robbie's fight with Nick, but yeah, you know, it, there is kind of a built-in story there. You you got the Robbie kind of smashing Nick, and you know Nate wanted to kind of avenge that loss, but also for Robbie. And for Nate, like it, it would be a step up in competition, I would assume. I would like to think Nate at this point is just a better fighter, been in yeah. more times than Nick. So it's a step up in that sense. And I mean, that's a that's a fight that I I don't know how that would go. Truthfully, I mean, I I think I would I would pick Nate going in, but Ravi looked fantastic Saturday. So it, it, it's really a fight that I think people would be invested in. That would have the story built in. And hey. You know, ESPN, when they had Dane on, they had that little graphic package where it was talking about the Nick Diaz-Robbie Lawler fight, but they were showing clips of Nate Diaz. They could just reuse that for this fight, you know? You're very right, Noah. (laughs) Um, Last one here that we missed on uh, the Schmo had an interview with Kelvin Gastelum, who has hinted that the, the idea of going back to welterweight the division that he started in in the UFC, that he won the Ultimate Fighter in in the UFC. Uh, Dominic, is this a good move for Kelvin Gastelum? Well, I hope so, because this is a guy that uh, when you look at him, you think, oh, probably is a welterweight, fits good in the weight class, has about a 5'9 height, and his frame just kind of looks built for 170. But when he used to fight there, he used to very much struggle with making the weight. He moved up to 185, had a little bit of success, but more losses. And in his last fight, uh, he also nearly missed weight. So it's like, okay, well, he used to not make it 170, but now he can't make weight at 185. He's going to completely rearrange his camp, his lifestyle here. Uh, so it looks like he is going to move back to welterweight uh, along with leaving Kings MMA in California, potentially go to Arizona, train with Henry Cejudo at his camp, which is also where Zhang Wei Li is training for her rematch with uh, Rose Namajunas, which is interesting. So, you know, I'm a big Kelvin fan, regardless win or lose. I think he's always in fun fights. I think he's a great fighter. Very kind of underappreciated in a sense, the way or the amount of competition that he faces in terms of top-level guys. So, uh, you know, if he can do all the right things, maybe get a nutritionist in there for the entirety of his training camps, whether it be 8, 10, 12 weeks, uh, I think he can get back to 170. I think he fits much better there. And there's a lot of fun fights to be had because the division has changed so much since he was last there. So, uh, yeah, shout-out Kelvin Gaslam. I'm excited to see kind of what this future may hold. Again, a guy that with a lot of fight years, yes, but in terms of age, still very young, like Max Holloway, 29, 30 years old, which is crazy considering all that they've accomplished and done. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see maybe this new chapter of Kelvin's career. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Right. Um, Optimistic because I think it's a better division for him if he can make the weight. Um, Just his frame is just more of a welterweight than of a middleweight. He has struggled a lot at middleweight when it comes to fighting bigger, taller, lankier, longer reach fighters. Welterweight, I think he would be a force to be reckoned with. The problem is, can he make it and can he make it, you know, consistently? (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I think that the idea of getting a nutritionist, I think it does wonders for a lot of people. We don't even remember how Habib used to struggle mightily to make 155 pounds. He even had to pull out 
of the title fight with Tony Ferguson for that at one point. Yep. Got a nutritionist, and we never saw any problems with it again. And it, he looked cut after that. So yes, he did. You know, it's. I definitely think it could be. If that's all it takes for him to kind of be able to make that weight, awesome. Hope that's hope that's true. You know, I I, I definitely think it would be smart for Kelvin. You know, who feels like he's kind of in no man's land right now. You know, exactly. Yeah. So moving on to UFC 266. We start with our fight of the night, and dare I say, our fight of the year. Mm-hmm. And Dominic, this headline reads like the front of every Under Armour shirt on a Coles clearance rack in 2010, because respect is earned, not given. And both these guys, in different ways, earned that respect Saturday night. Volkanovski yeah. coming in as the champion who had, you know, We've done it on this podcast at times. It felt like the public in general have been even worse to the guy. So much about that those Max Holloway fights, you know, beating a fan favorite like Max, but then having such a close fight with Max in the second one, yeah. one where a lot of people thought Max won. Feels like Volkanovski hasn't quite gotten the respect that he should have gotten as a champion. Uh, maybe some people thinking he's a paper champion, things like that. But after this performance, I don't see how you can continue to kind of hold that against the guy. I know that uh, maybe until he fights Max the third time, and if he beats him a third time, then maybe after that he can't really say anything. But this was a fantastic performance from Alexander Volkanovsky from a lot of different variables. If you want to go purely off of the damage he thrown at that he delivered to Brian Ortega, um, he was clearly in control of this fight going into round five. I mean, up 4-0. I, I scored devout 4-1. Um, yeah, same. 49-46, but I, I was very close to doing 49-45. I think round four, you could have argued, was a 10-8 round. Mm-hmm. Um, Volkanovski just looked super composed. He was in his game plan the whole time. He did, He's so good at – he sets up a look to get – his opponent to kind of read it and kind of assume what he's going to do based on that look. And then he completely just fakes him out and does something else. Yep. So good at that. And you saw it time and time again in here. And um, Ortega did some good things and I'll talk about that, but I just got to give a moment. Volkanovsky um, is one of the pound for pound best in the UFC right now. And with the performance like this, his stock should only go up because not only did he deliver the goods in terms of damage and, really putting it on Ortega at times, but he also had the battle from some adversity. Round three is one of the craziest rounds in MMA this entire year that I've ever yeah. watched in my life. Yes. And I thought when Brian Ortega got that uh, guillotine on Volkanovski, I thought that fight was a wrap. Yep. I said, it's over. I've never seen someone battle so much through a submission attempt. Mm-hmm. Volkanovski was fucking just his whole body was shaking. He's yeah. like fighting out of it. I could I've met for a guy like Ortega. This is the best jujitsu in the entire UFC. Yeah, and he battled not out of just that, not out of a second submission that was just as tight later. Um, God, I mean, what a what a just what willpower. I mean, both of those he had to be close, close to going out, and yet was able to to persevere. 
Yeah. You know, so Dominic, I, I know I talked about Volkanovsky. I'm going to let you talk about Brian Ortega's contributions to this fight. And I guess what paths, where do these guys divulge into next? Where do they, you know, they've met here. Ortega took a lot of damage again. Another title fight. Volkanovsky, obviously, big win. Where do these, where their careers go from here? Yeah, I mean, I just got to give a shout out to the champ as well, real quick. Absolutely fantastic performance. And again, I kind of said it on Friday. Uh, I'm, of course, a huge Max Holloway fan, as is nearly everyone. So obviously, it sucked seeing Max lose the belt. But um, yeah, Volk deserves the respect now more than ever. He's, again, as I said on Friday, one of the most underrated, underappreciated champions. And that should be no longer. He's clearly one of the most elite level fighters in the world right now. This is the performance you should want to see out of a guy like this that was getting so much slack for the way he fights, the way he chooses to go about getting his victories. No, not anymore. This guy was coming for Ortega's head, but in the smartest of ways that you can. Uh, Being able to escape that adversity against a guy like Brian Ortega is absolutely second to none. No one else is getting out of that guillotine. And uh, he essentially was like, you know what? If I'm not getting out, I'm damn sure not tapping to lose my belt. You're going to have to put me to sleep. And he never did. So phenomenal performance by the champ, earning his second title defense. Brian Ortega, another tough loss. His second shot at gold. He fails once more. But, man, in both these fights, he's really showed his heart, especially here in this one. Not quite the beating he took from Max Holloway, but still very much compromised throughout this bout especially in the mental side, because when he had those submissions, he had the guillotine, he had the triangle, at one point even had a Darce. He had three great submissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just shows how much high level of Brazilian jiu-jitsu he carries. But you could see, after that third round, when he was not able to finish Volk, and that horn sounded to go back to their corners to get to round four, he just laid on the mat. And you just got to wonder, what is going through his head right now? Like, damn, I can't imagine how just gut-wrenching it would be to know that you just threw everything you had at the champ and it still wasn't enough but then after being dominated very much so in round four nearly a 10-8 I know one judge even scored at a 10-8 battles back in round five so much so I gave him round number five I thought Ortega was coming alive again all of a sudden Mm -hmm. he looked good on the feet went until the very final horn sounded, threw some heavy shots, man, that definitely got Volk's attention on the feet as well. So this was definitely one of the greatest featherweight title fights of all time, one of the greatest uh, featherweight fights in general of all time, and definitely the front run for fight of the year right now in 2021. Incredible title about, uh, again, I guess you asked two questions. What could be next for Ortega now? He's in a weird spot. And we talked about this on Friday because he's now had two title shots. Mm-hmm. One against Max, one against Volkanovski. He lost both, but these two are obviously still right there at the very top of the division, um, and obviously he is as well, so I'm not taking anything away from him, but you got to think if the belt's going to be passed back and forth or held by one of those two for the foreseeable future, he's going to have to really go back and probably string together, I'd say probably three wins at a minimum if those two stay at the top. So go back to the drawing board, take some time off, see him back in 2022. And uh, maybe it's too early to be matchmaking because this guy's a lot more fresher right now, but I'm going to say it anyway. I think uh, Mr. Brian Ortega and Giga Chikadze in a five round fight night main event makes oh, a whole man. lot of sense. Yeah. And uh, you know, if Giga has been calling for the elite level talents, there's one guy that's available for you right now, if it's not going to be Korean zombie. So 
uh, yeah, absolutely amazing fight. Uh, going in, I knew it was as 50, 50 fight as you're going to have. I couldn't decide a winner until within like, I don't know, 30 minutes before the fights even started. So it lived up to everything. And then some, I'm so happy. We finally got to see it and, uh, absolutely incredible, incredible performances. Well, I guess if you touched on Volkanovsky, then I guess I will touch on Brian Ortega. And obviously, I this guy put on the, uh, just – I mean, I'm not even surprised that what we saw from Brian Ortega in terms of heart, in terms of willpower. Um, not even surprised. Max Holloway fight proved that he's got that in him. And here it just more so confirmed that he still has it. He took He took some hard shots here. And, you know, there was even some clash of heads. It seems like the clash of heads is actually what kind of yeah. probably concussed Ortega for the rest of that fight, which is unfortunate. But still, Volkanovski landing at a very high clip here, not to be overlooked. Um, yeah, it felt like once those submission attempts failed, I was a little nervous Ortega might just – it seemed like he, for a minute there, was kind of mentally just like – mentally had lost. Yeah. But then to come back the way he did – Round four was even a tougher round for him, probably the most one-sided round of the fight. And then round five comes out. and It's like knowing that I love it when guys like him who are the guys trying to win the belt, when they understand that they're down on the scorecards and they just go in there and look to just try to make something happen. Go for it. Why wouldn't you? You know, as a guy, and I'm, and this is going to be a complaint I'm going to have in our next fight about the person going for the belt there. Here, this Ortega left nothing on the table. He did no. everything he could at Volkanovski and definitely did get his attention late in that fifth round. Um, this is just the kind of performance you want from a guy like this. And while, yes, he might, you know, need a couple more, you know, to get back to a potential title shot with either one of these. Uh, with Volkanovski or Max Holloway. I think with the kind of excitement that his fights bring, I think, you know, you see a performance like this and string it even with the Max Holloway loss, which was more one-sided, but still the same heart. And then you look at the Korean zombie fight and how much fun it was just watching him evolve. The UFC is going to have a hard time turning him down if he continues to put on shows like this. I mean, he's, he's really... He brings out the best of his opponents sometimes. Um, and Volkanovski here getting probably his most exciting win in a UFC octagon. And that definitely will pay dividends for Volk as he looks to garner some respect. Oh, it definitely will. Um, you might be right about being too early to matchmake for Ortega. It's probably true. Who knows how long of a layoff he's going to take yeah. here. Just, you know, took a lot of damage. Um, I like the idea of uh, him fighting the loser, uh, Max and Yair. Yeah, um, especially if it is like Yair, I think that would be a fight that makes a lot of sense. Um, depending on how soon he wants to get back in there and how soon this guy wants to get back in there, uh, maybe him versus Calvin Cater. Yeah, two guys that have you know taken some damage in their last bout. So a lot of that depends on the timing for when Calvin wants to get back in there, when Brian does. Just a couple options, but Volkanovski obviously winner of Max and Yair. Is of course, what's next for him. Let's get in the co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko. It ain't nothing new. Nope. Once again, defends her women's flyweight title with the TKO over Lauren Murphy. Four minutes into round number four. You know, and 
like we said on Friday, Dom, are we even surprised? Is this is this is nothing new for a Valentina Shevchenko fight? She looked dominant. She looked completely levels above her opponent here, and that's why I'm going to spend my time. And you know, this isn't. Do I want to say like? Obviously, we can give some credit to Valentina to talk about what she did in this fight and whatnot. But everybody, like it, it's already known. Like this, this is what was going to happen. Like I feel like I can't even spend a lot of time talking about her greatness here because it's just so expected at this point. So I'm going to spend my time talking about how disappointing of a performance this was for Lauren Murphy. Okay. Um, I get it. You're in an uphill battle, and I'm someone who's never been in there. So this is. Totally take this with a grain of salt for anybody listening, watching. But this is your title shot. Probably the only title shot you know you're ever going to get if you lose. I saw no urgency from her here. Nothing. She seemed to be fighting not to get finished rather than to win. And I just find that so confusing. I mean, I get, and I get like from a health standpoint, you don't want to get finished, but I don't think Lauren Murphy is (laughs) cares too much about that. I just, it seemed like here she was like on autopilot and I get it. You're going up against Valentina Shevchenko. Like what can you really do? But I just didn't see anything from her. She, she was, she looked tentative to even trade with Valentina. Like there was nothing in here that told me that she was really going for it. And it's just disappointing because I think Valentina, you know, she, even though we know how what a level she is above the opposition in this division, it doesn't help if the people she's defending against aren't really looking to win <laughs> or more so just looking to survive. You know, I've seen it with Jennifer Maya. I've seen it here. I'm just the, the I need, I need some women in this division to step up. I need someone that's going to at least like look to make it a fight, you know, rather than, put on what we saw here i'm just i'm not this isn't the kind of performance i want to see out of someone this this to me i i I wanted to give her her respect going in and say she deserved this title shot i don't know if she did if this is the kind of performance we're going to get what do you think yeah yeah it's interesting man because valentina is just so many levels above everyone else in this division and um you know, in this fight, specifically from Lauren, you kind of saw, like I said, kind of just fighting to not get finished and rather than to win. I think that the opponents are so aware of the threat that Valentina poses to them that they just cannot use utilize a game plan at all. Because we said mm-hmm. Friday, Lauren's only hope was to just charge Valentina, make this as gritty as possible, and there was none of that. And I think it's because they're so worried to get close and come in and get caught by Valentina that they just kind of stand there and Valentina just goes to work, man. So, you know, Lauren was on a five fight win streak and it, it sucks that this is the title fight that, or the performance that she uh, gets and puts out. But again, when there's such a dominant champion, there's only so much you can do, I suppose. And Valentina, I've said this about Amanda Nunez and, you know, I'm going to say it here for Valentina. We're at the point with her where we should feel privileged and honored to even watch her step foot in the octagon because every time she goes out there, it's so flawless. She's such a pure mixed martial artist in and out of the cage. And uh, everything she does is just absolutely perfect. There's no flaws. I cannot spot you one flaw. I know I've never trained or anything like that, but damn it, I watch a lot of fights and I have been for years. And there's not one thing I say or see that she does wrong. 
So it's just another title defense for her. That's number six now. She's running laps through this whole division. You literally look at the rankings right now, and every one of them have been defeated by her. So it's just a matter of will there be anyone to threaten her at 125 pounds? Just when we thought it, you know, it would be Jessica Andrade, and it wasn't even competitive at all. Then Lauren Murphy, five-fight win streak, a lot of momentum, mm, not even competitive at all. Then she ultimately gets the finish as well, just to add a cherry on top. She's unbelievable. I can't wait to see Valentina fight again. Lauren Murphy, glad you finally got your title shot. Obviously, poor performance. But, again, when it's Valentina, you can't expect much more of her opponents at 125 pounds. I don't know, Dom. I just I feel like I agree. Like, it's, you know, you look at Andrade, a girl that always brings it, and how one-sided of her loss was against Valentina and how she really wasn't able to do anything. But – I at least saw an effort <laughs> mm-hmm. here. Like I just, I felt, I just saw going through the motions and it's just, to oh, me, I nothing. feel like, I feel like I can expect more. Like I, I can at least expect someone to at least try to win. I mean, it doesn't help if you're, I mean, it's not going to help this for Valentina to be so dominant. If these, these contenders are just getting in there and are already losing before they step into the octagon. I just, I don't know. Um, my question for you though, Prediction, real okay. quick. Yeah. Next fight for Valentina. Will it be another contender at flyweight, or does she fight Amanda Nunes a third time? No, I could give two shits about that third fight. I don't need to see that again. I think it's going to be the winner of Alexa Grasso, JoJo Calderwood. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There's no one else to I fight. I mean, that's – okay, again, I'm asking for a prediction, not your thought. Like, are you? is that what you're that's assuming it. will happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You. I think it might be Amanda Nunes the third time. Uh, and again, yeah. you know, you know, we're not, I'm not big on that I fight know. either. And I think, I don't know why I swear. I, Cause I started hearing about it more this weekend and Dana was finally like, well, if they both win their fights, I'm at least interested in hearing about it. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, Dana, you're supposed to be on our side. Yeah. You don't need to see it again. It's... I don't know. I don't think it's the fight that people want it to be, you know? Right. Especially Amanda's beat, twice. Amanda's beat her twice. And regardless yeah. of how close they were, if you thought one woman, if you thought Valentina won one or whatever, it doesn't really matter, I guess, because I just think that if Valentina goes in there and beats Amanda in a third fight via decision, would it really change anything? Like in terms of women's goat status, like sure, some people would probably be like, well, Valentina's the woman's goat. But Amanda beat her twice before that. So it's like, is she, you know, it just feels like it just makes everything more confusing. It's a big fight, but truthfully, I think you're right. I think there's a good chance Joanne Carterwood and Alexa Grasso winner is the next one in there, which I don't know. (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I mean, talk talk about the five round feature belt here. This one was uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it's such a weird feeling for this one. Damn it, I felt weird going into it. And I felt just as weird <laughs> watching the fight. You know, this fight, Robbie Lawler, by the way, gets the TKO over Nick Diaz, 44 seconds, round number three. A lot of weird stuff going in the fight. You know, fight week was a was an interesting one. The mm-hmm. sudden weight change, the some of Nick's comments, you know, again, some of this typical Diaz shenanigans, some of it, yeah. but some of those comments also just felt a little more like there's a little more gravity to him, you know, yeah. talking about 
not really wanting to fight, feeling like you have to fight kind of thing. Just some interesting comments for sure. And, you know, I think this fight kind of held true to what I think some of our some of our fears were, but also what some of us were hoping this fight could be. I wanted this fight to be fun, most importantly. And it was. Mm-hmm. Two legends got in there and traded for three rounds, or I guess for two rounds and then 44 seconds round three. Robbie Lawler came out the gate immediately looking to pressure. Uh, Diaz, in the beginning of round number one, threw that like spinning wheel kick that looked very just didn't look like the most athletic move in the world. Yeah. And um, I was a little nervous when that happened. I was oh, like, I was immediately oh, worried. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that, that that's what we're getting. Yeah. But luckily, we didn't really get a lot of Diaz shenanigans in the octagon. You know, none of the laying down like he did against Silva. None of the talk, the trash talk. Um, you could tell it looked like he was taking him a while to get used to being back in an octagon. Once he got more comfortable, though, I mean, he was constantly up against the fence. You know, Robbie was doing a great job of kind of pressuring him and keep staying in his face. But Nick's boxing looked great. I mean, he threw a he lot. Did. I mean, his speed and his hands looked really good. And I think that kind of answers for a lot of the concerns people had with the sparring or the shadow boxing footage of him um, that they do for, like, the UFC uh, clips or whatever. Yeah. Um, he His hands looked complete. That was the fastest part of his performance. In terms of everything else, you know, a little slower. But all in all, we got a great fight here, Dominic, and I'm sure you'll want to give your thoughts, but I, I want to pose a question that might be more important than even really the thoughts on this fight. You know, this was a legend fight. It was fun. Awesome. But all in all, I think the afterwards, it seemed like everybody was split in the two crowds. You know, your gut reaction coming off the fight. It seemed like 50% of the people watching, the gut reaction was, this was awesome. Other 50% gut reaction was Nick Diaz needs to retire. What was your gut reaction coming out of the fight? And now that you've had some time to sit on it, do you fall into one side or the other? Do you think both are true? What Where do you fall here? What was my gut reaction? I mean, truthfully, again, when the fight started, I was very worried. That kick was <laughs> yeah. G-Money. If you didn't see it, go back and watch it. But then after that, again, the fight was great, as Noah mentioned. And it was so weird because Nick was like slow but it's not at the same time. Like his hands look just as crisp as ever. And I just love how they were essentially fighting in a phone booth for 12 or 10 minutes and 44 seconds. They literally couldn't, there was no space between the two. It was dirty boxing one Oh one. The output was absolutely insane. Like what they may have lacked in speed. These two, they made up for an output. I can't, I know that going into like the middle of the second round, when they showed the stats, they had both already thrown like 150 strikes or that was even, that was at the end of the first round thrown 150 strikes 39 and 38 years old one of them Mm -hmm. having not fought in six years the other on like a four or five fight losing streak so they were going out there to put on a show and that they did i was very pleased with it and uh you know gut reaction the finish was kind of awkward right because it almost looked like nick was like holding his knee so i thought his knee was injured but then they i watched it again and i thought he may have like tweaked something up along the cage but Inevitably, I feel like Robbie did kind of break his nose on one of the shots that dropped Nick because he did. He dropped Diaz. And then he was just kind of like, nah, I'm done. He kind of just told mm-hmm. the ref that. So, you know, I uh, the finish definitely makes it feel a little bit more bittersweet, I guess. But at the end of the day, 
we knew these two were going to go out and stand and bang. One of them was likely going to go out one way or another. So, you know, pick your poison on which one you would want to see get TKO'd or KO'd. So uh, I, I don't really have necessarily an issue with the way that the fight finished because they, they fought the way that we wanted it to go. And if they fight that way, someone's going to go down. And that's what happened. Uh, in terms of what could maybe come next for Nick, I don't know. I don't know if we will see him fighting. And he said at the press conference on Thursday that if I go out there and get my ass kicked, I want to get back in there even quicker and I want to fight again. But I still just like didn't feel that way necessarily after when he did the post-fight press conference and just kind of his body language and everything. He did a great post-fight interview, I will say. And really gave kudos to Robbie and the fans and everything, which was great to see, especially after being out for so long. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe we'll see him in there again, but I'm not like gunning for it or, you know, over the top excited. If we do, we do. If not, oh well. But this was just such a perfect Legends fight. I'd almost feel like, honestly, for either one, they could both ride off into the sunset after this one and everyone would be pleased with that decision. So, you know, I'm not rather here nor there. I'm just here for, you know, these two legends and what they've done for the sport and paved the way. And uh, here we are now. They both fought 17 years later. Robbie evens the series at one apiece. I will say I don't need a trilogy that we don't need. <laughs> Let these two kind of do what yeah. they want to do. And uh, we'll see what happens. So wait, did you fall in? Does that mean you're siding more with this was awesome or that he should retire? Oh, this was awesome. Yes. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I feel like Dominic didn't answer my question, but anyways, <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. Um, yeah, that was my gut reaction at the time. I said, I limp ending to an otherwise great fight. Um, but I think coming off of it, I feel a little bit of both. Uh, mm. I think maybe, um, I'm not in a place to tell anybody to retire and I, I'm not going to do that on here. Like I'm not going to, you know, everybody else, that's their decision. You know, it's a personal decision. People have really struggled with retirement in the past. And for some people, it's probably saved their lives or added years to their life, you know. So I'm not in a place to tell anybody to do that. And I'm not going to really use my platform on this show to do that. But I'm just saying my reaction being that it felt like Diaz is kind of, felt like his, the chapter's done. Yeah. And this was a great fight. It was a really fun comeback for him. But I, you know, it 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 is a little sad though to kind of hear him just not seem like he really wanted to be there. Yeah, and you know, and it, it like pretty much being completely clear about how you know he was kind of there because he had to rather than because he wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that just kind of sucks. It's like that's not because everybody was so excited for this fight. And for him to be probably the least excited of everybody else. Yeah. I think I saw a tweet that said everybody is everybody is excited for Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler, except for Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if the Robbie side of things is really true, but it was just really funny. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's just so interesting. Um, I think Nick's kind of, I just don't see really where you go from here if you're him. Um, I don't, you know, some of the fights that were, I guess, options coming in here, if he, depending on how he looked, you know, we had, there was mention of Jorge Masvidal and stuff like that. I just I don't really need to see it, you know. Yeah. Nick Nick came in here. He showed that he still had something left, but then, you know, he 
took some damage and it was like and a really funny quote in the post fight. He's like, yeah, I started leaking. I didn't want to make a mess. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Very funny. But I think it was very clear that he took a little bit of damage and was like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's too much to say. And I don't blame the guy. I don't need him. I don't need to see these two bleeding buckets. You know, I don't need this to be Ravi Rory too. I got my fill. They can, you know, this legend fight. They can now they Robbie can continue to fight if he wants to. I'm sure he will. Um, if Nick did get another fight with someone, I wouldn't be like upset by it either. I just, I don't think he really has needs to, if he, especially if he doesn't want to at this point. Yeah. Uh, as a huge Robbie Lawler fan, I just got to ask what were kind of your thoughts on, I guess, his performance, especially after such a skid that he was on to at least come out and just have such a high volume, high output and inevitably mm-hmm. get the win. I'm sure that felt good to a certain extent, right? Yeah, just what you said right there. That was the big takeaways for me. I mean, I'm glad you asked because, yeah, I guess I try to be as unbiased as possible, but ultimately I am. he is my favorite fighter of all time. Yeah. And um, over the last couple of years, though, it's just been really hard to watch him just kind of run into the Tyron Woodley of thing, you know, right. where they just stop throwing. It's become frustrating, I guess, you know, watching him in his fights with Neil Magny and mm-hmm. uh, before that, Colby Covington, Rafael Dos Anjos, where I'm not going to say that in his prime he would have killed those guys, like he would have ran through them, but he would have gave them a much harder fight. Mm-hmm. Here, this felt like a guy turning back the clock a little bit. Yeah. Not much. You know, he's still, at the end of the day, these were still, you could tell these were two older guys yeah. um, in there trading, but. Robbie looked great. He he had a great game plan. He stuck to it. He did eat a lot of good shots. I mean, he he bobs and weaves with the best of them, but Nick was able to really, you know, pepper him with shots that probably didn't hurt too much, but they were landing and frustrating Robbie. But he just continued to throw some haymakers. I mean, it mm-hmm. felt like everything he was throwing was really landing flush. The body work was really nice. Leg kicks to the body, great stuff. Um so, yeah, I mean, it gave me enough confidence to be like, I wouldn't mind watching Robbie fight a Nate Diaz. Yeah. You know? Before this fight, I probably would have said, no, don't do that, because Nate Diaz is too good for Robbie at this point. But with that, I, I'm i not opposed to it. You know, I just, I don't know. If he wants to, he he's very clear about his stance on, at this point, it's just big fights for him. Yeah. So... If that's a fight that's available, I think that would be more than proper. But who knows if that's what he'll actually get. I don't know what other fights would make sense, like in terms of like big fights that might excite him. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what, what else is out there. Because uh, Carlos Condit just retired. Yeah. You know, that was like a legend by I me. Mean, maybe a Matt Brown type. I don't know. It's just, I, I, you know, I don't know how many fights are really left for Robbie, but as long as he's still here, I'm going to keep watching and keep supporting my dude, Ruthless. There you go. But, um, yeah. So, Dominic, we have a lot of fights to talk about in the rest. We've already been going for a long time. So, I think we're going to just like, we're going to give our thoughts, but I'm going to pose a question to each one and answer the question and give and use that to give your thoughts on the fight kind of deal. Okay. And do some rapid fire type deal here and see how this goes. Okay. So Curtis Blades defeats Jarzinho Rosenstreich via unanimous decision. I mentioned on Friday I think it's the last fight of his contract, but I don't want to speculate on like if he or if he won't get a contract. Let's assume that him and the UFC work it out and he gets a contract. 
is Stipe Miocic the proper fight next for Curtis Blades? I mean, if you're Curtis, yeah, that fight makes a lot of sense, but there's no way in hell Stipe's going to take a fight with Curtis Blades, in my opinion. So he's kind of left in lingo right now, if I'm being honest. And when you pair that with a less than stellar, I mean, a good game plan, but a less than stellar performance, I guess, mm-hmm. in the cage in terms of what happened. Granted, he got busted up bad. Looked like he might have a broken orbital bone. So he kind of fought yep. with one eye for a round and a half. So I still respect Curtis at the end of the day. But as we kind of discussed on Friday with – we needed like a big performance to maybe kind of keep him comfortable in this top of the division. That didn't quite do it. Maybe he'll get re-signed, but Stipe won't happen, I don't believe. Now, do you think Stipe should take that fight? Because truthfully, based on the way the, the lay of the land right now, I don't know what, what fight Stipe could really – I mean, maybe Derek Lewis. I don't know. I'd, like, I don't see where – because it doesn't seem like he's going to fight John Jones. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's going to get a title fight without having to win one. That's what I'm at at this point. I mean, I guess in, in that sense, it would make sense maybe for Stipe. Um, but again, again, just like knowing him and like where his mindset is, I don't see it happening. I honestly see kind of a, and we'll talk about it in a second. Chris Chris Dawkins might get in there with Blades next, if I'm being honest. Ooh, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah, probably the dullest fight of the night, but you yeah. know it, it it happens a lot of times with Curtis Blades, man. But yeah, he's still a great fighter, so respect. Of course, Jessica Andrade <laughs> runs through Cynthia Calvillo exactly how I thought this fight was going to go. I agree. Four minutes fifty four seconds of round number one, Andrade proving that while there is a big step from her to Valentina, it seems like there's a big step from the rest of the division to Jessica Andrade. Yep. Dominic, tell me why Jessica Andrade Tatiana Suarez makes a lot of sense. Oh, you sly dog. Look how you <laughs> slid that in there. Hey, I love that fight for a multitude of reasons. For one, Jessica Andrade looked absolutely incredible. She's one of the just truest OGs of the UFC I, women's I division. love my favorite woman's fighter, Jessica I mean, Andrade. what an absolute tank. She went in there, implemented the game plan, exactly what we thought she was going to do. Cynthia Calvillo, no answers i mean she was kind trying to pepper from range but Andrade ain't gonna let you get the space. it was all defensive that was the problem yeah. for a couple years she was throwing a lot of defensive jabs like trying to keep a distance yeah but Andrade was like the predator just like slowly like creeping in on the prey you know yeah, and Calvillo was eating bombs, but it was not going to continue that way because Jessica just hits way too hard and, and, and inevitably got tongue twisted, led to her getting the finish. Her and Tatiana Suarez, again, incredible fight. Damn, will we see Tatiana get healthy. I know she just came off of that bad knee injury, so she's kind of rehabbing with the brace and just had surgery and stuff. But, you know, she was as, as elite as they come in the strawweight division. She wants to test the waters at 125. And yes, her original fight was supposed to be with Roxanne Modafferi. At least I think that's what it was. I still think it makes sense to throw in there with Andrade if the timelines line up. Because if you're the UFC, you got to think, well, we're looking for challengers for Valentina. No one else in this division has shown to be close to her, including the former champion, Jessica Andrade. So why not throw Tatiana straight into the wolves if she gets the win? Boom. We at least have a very strong elite-level grappler that could maybe throw a little bit of intrigue in a fight with her and Valentina. So uh, I love everything about that fight. A bulldog on the feet with Jessica, an insane grappler, Tatiana Suarez. Ooh-wee, I love it. I'm assuming I, you do too. That's why you asked. I, I do love it. I mean, I think it's appropriate. I just – there is maybe a fear. I was wondering if you might be fearful of, like, maybe that just being 
a tough debut for Tatiana mm-hmm. Suarez to come straight in after a long layoff, after trying to get healthy, yeah. and you're fighting Jessica Andrade. That's a risk that I might be willing to take, though, because I went over Andrade for Suarez, and she's a made woman. Yeah, you're in. Title shot all the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on from that, Marav Valishvili. Holy with the shit. Comeback, comeback of the night gets the TKO over Marlon Marais, four minutes, 25 seconds around number two. Dominic, have you ever seen a fight where about three quarters of the way through, you're ready to give one fighter a 10 8 round? And then somehow in that last quarter of the, the round, you're almost convinced to give a 10 9 to the other fighter. Yeah, this first round of this fight was, again, we kind of talked about this earlier with uh, round three of Volk Ortega. This is right up there, too, with round of the year. Round one mm-hmm. of this fight was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Marlon Marais did exactly what I thought he was going to do with catching Marab coming in, and he hurt him bad, nearly knocked him out. If if Keith Peterson would have stopped the fight, I would have had no issue because it was he was that close and just wobbling mm-hmm. everywhere. But Marab survives. Marlon utterly gasses quickly. Um, and, you know, I would have guessed too because I thought he was going to finish the fight as well. Marab completely does a 180 in this fight, gets Marlon on his back, pummels him to finish the first round. So much so, I scored it a 10-10. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. They both hurt each other pretty bad. I'm just giving them a tie. You just made up a score? (laughs) I scored it 10-10, baby. And then round two, Marab, utter dominance, showed why he is on a six-fight win streak, now a seven-fight win streak. He's now in the top six of this division, rightfully so. Destroyed Marlon until he inevitably gets the finish, 425 in. This fight was insane. The first round was insane. And, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I part of me was disappointed, only because I, my big underdog pick of the night was Marlon Marais. Yeah. I thought, I, I said it on Friday, this is the, the matchup that like best suited his style, and we saw that early. Yeah. I didn't even know if Marab what Marab's chin was like. Well, he showed that he can. I think he showed something here. I mean, yes, yeah. he got wobbled bad, and you could. I mean, you, he could have probably been stopped, but to come back to be able to recover Incredible. that rate, that's going to carry Marab very far. But man, just how quickly the tides turned here. You know, Marlon just looking like an absolute terminator, just walking down with chasing down Marab yeah, as he's yeah. flailing all over the cage. And then um, as soon as Marab was able to get top position on Marlon, it's like Marlon just wilted. It was done. It was done. End of the first round. I'm like, okay, we have a fight. You know, that's my thought. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we have a fight because both guys had their moments in round number one. Hence why Dominic made up a score to give to him 10, 10. <laughs> and then <laughs> round number two, I'm thinking this is anybody's fight, right? But then you come out and it's like, wait a minute, why does Marlon look so defeated? It felt very much like what Henry Cejudo did to him in that title fight, and what you've kind of seen with Marlon time and time again just a lack of a gas tank. And whenever his tank goes to E, the guy doesn't really have anything left. It's like he, yeah. it's like the mental, mentally, he's defeated, physically, he's defeated. Um, this was a tough one if you're a Marlon Rice fan, which we both are. But I mean, in the sense of like, if you're really, if you really were on that hill of like Marlon Rice can still be a contender, I don't know if there's any coming back, you know, for Marlon at this point to be what he was in 2018, 2017, and then before that. Yeah, that's tough. 
man, there's got to be some fun fights still left for Marlon Rice. I mean, look at what happened here. This fight was awesome. Yeah. Um, to be on the prelims of all places. Uh, awesome stuff. Rob Balishvili, top 10. Looking forward to what's next for him. Oh, yeah. The guy's skill set's very good. I'm looking forward to that. Dan Hooker. It's the unanimous decision whenever it's Nazareth Hawk pressed. He gets back on track and he did it by evolving his game quite a bit. A lot of grappling here for Dan Hooker, not something that we used to seeing with him, mm-hmm. especially not as of late. And um, you know, this was kind of a win that was necessary for Dan Hooker. You know, it was a win maybe in some ways expected because Na- Nazrat being the unranked fighter, Dan being in the top ten, you know, probably a win he should get. But doing it in the fashion he did, really able to neutralize the powerful Hawk Press. Um, all in all, good performance. Not sure if uh, it'll really do much for him in terms of like uh, definitely probably not going to be fighting ahead in his next fight. He'll probably still have to fight from behind. But a good win to keep him on track, keep him in this in this top of the heap at lightweight. And considering what these two came into, you know, came into the octagon with, the kind of baggage they had, these guys deserve all the bonuses. I mm-hmm. hope the UFC gives them some sort of bonus off the record or whatever. You know, one of those, just give them a bag of money like they did to Davison that one time. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go. No, you're good. Uh, Dan Hooker, again, like you said, kind of pulled a, a rabbit out of the hat, showed some new skills in his game, especially after such a wild training camp or lack thereof, I should say, uh, going into this. Then the travel issues. Nazrat was in there, he was gritty. Uh, and I thought the grappling would uh, be in favor of Nazareth. So for Dan to go out there and out grapple him and really look great doing it was quite impressive. Uh, and it was just a great fight. Good for Dan to get back uh, into the win column, being that he was sitting in that number eight spot. And for Nazareth, I, I feel like it, there wasn't really much to lose. If you were him, you were getting catapulted mm-hmm. into the top 10 without a ranking, even next to your name. And if anything, you showed you're at least tough and gritty with one of the most uh, top level guys in this stack division. So excited to still see what comes from Nazrat. And, of course, Dan Hooker. It's always good to see him get his hand raised. He called out Benilio Dariush. Don't know if that'll happen, but a fun call out nevertheless. Yeah, still a good call out. Dariush, uh, based on the interview I watched with him, he just seems like, you know, he kind of understands that, like, even though he's ranked as high as he is, that he's probably going to have to, you know, like he seems very aware of, like, the fact that he's not the biggest name, you know, he's yeah. not – doesn't have a ton of leverage, I guess, to get himself a title shot right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to how he his mindset's kind of like. I mean, he probably could take a fight with Dan Hooker. Totally yeah. could be next for him, and I wouldn't be upset by it either. Yeah. Heavyweights. Chris Dawkins remains undefeated in the UFC. Is he undefeated as a whole? Yep. Uh, no, yeah. not undefeated as a whole, but four yeah, and just in the, the UFC. UFC. Yeah. Gets a TKO over Shamil Abdurrahimov. Minute 23 seconds of round number two. This was a fun fight, just heavy hitters hitting heavy. And, uh, you know, Chris Dog is showing what a dog he is. This man, it, it, am I wrong? Did I see him flip off Shamil Abdurrahimov? Um, was there a moment where, like, Shamil, like, there was something happened, they kind of touched gloves, and then Chris Dawkins just flips them off? Yeah, something Did happened. And, yes, you are not wrong. I saw that too. Hilarious. But then right after that, Dawkins gets the finish. So, like, <laughs> What a fucking dog, man. This was a great performance. It really, this really felt, I think this was Chris Dawkins' coming out party in some sense. Yeah, it it's was. hard. It's hard because you can't really, he doesn't really stand out in terms of the fact that this was a night filled with standout moments. But 
in terms of just the stage he was on, um, obviously the opponent, how highly ranked Abdurrahimov is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was his moment, and he passed in flying colors. I'm totally not on the team. I'm not on team Aspinall versus Dawkins right now. No. I'm not into that fight right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Dawkins is deserving of going up. Yeah. So, Dominic, is there opponent? Uh, well, I think you already mentioned. Uh, so you think Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins should be next? I, I think it makes sense. I mean, again, I don't think Curtis is going to get either any of the guys ahead of him. And he's already fought Volkov, who's behind him. So why not? Chris Dawkins is going to smash in, literally, to the top ten. He's going to be number seven, more than likely, maybe higher. He had a, quite an impressive performance. He essentially knocked out Shamil two or three different times in the fight. <laughs> but it got stopped at that point, a minute 23 into round two. Uh, Dawkins looked amazing. As Chris, the boxer, you're going to see in this division, especially of the new wave, him and Aspinall leading the charge. We don't need that now. I think that's a potential fight in the future with you know two of the brighter young up-and-comers in this division. Save that for then. Right now, Chris Dawkins, welcome to the top 10. Go test yourself against a dominant grappler. And Curtis Blades, we'll see how ready you really are. Yeah, I guess um, if I'm the UFC, I'm going to have to take a hard look at that matchup because do you want to feed – a really exciting mm-hmm. up-and-comer to potentially be kind of in a long, drawn-out, boring fight with Curtis Blaze that he might get dominated in. I don't know. That's not what we do here, though. We we, 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 we match make the best of the best with the best of the best. Come on. Essentially. All right. Tyler Santos gets a dominant, unanimous decision win over Roxanne Modafferi. Great performance. The, the Roxanne uh, back and forth, the 50-50 is over for her. Uh, she's been on a win one, lose one for a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is now two in a row. But for Tyler Santos, this was a big win. Even though Roxanne, like you looked at the two of them and the odds going in were hugely in Taylor Santos' favor. I thought those odds were kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Like Santos is really good. Mm-hmm. But Roxanne, just when you counter out is when she fucking excels. And I thought that there was a chance that might happen here. Nope, Santos, completely dominant, awesome performance. Glad she's in the top 10, and I'm very excited to see what's next. Yeah, she's someone I'm very high on in this division. Again, when you have Valentina as the champ, it's kind of hard to say if anyone will be a test for her necessarily as a future contender, but I do think Taylor has the potential to be a future title challenger at that, so I'm excited to see what comes next from her. A full-on, well-rounded performance against a legend of women's MMA and to go out there and dominate the way she did says a lot in my opinion so i'm excited to see what will come next jalen turner wow the tarantula prove me wrong gets, gets the sub over euros Medique. yeah i thought euros was gonna win this fight and win it in the fashion that jalen essentially won this yep, in yep i agree and um jalen put it on him though literally from pillar to post from the beginning of the round to the end Jalen Turner was the bully in that cage. I mean, everything he threw hurt Euros, and then ultimately finishing it with the sub. This guy's really come alive here as of late. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just thought it was worth giving him a shout-out for this performance because, one, we kind of didn't expect it. Even though the odd makers had it very close, and there was a lot of people on Jalen Turner's side. Yeah, We weren't really – I just really liked what Euros had shown me in his last couple fights. However – the tarantula strikes again, and he now is, I mean, get, he's creeping closer and closer, Dom, to tougher competition. And, you know, with his kind of style and frame, he's a tough matchup for a lot of people that are far ahead of him right now. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the old tarantula from when I was growing up with the UFC, Mr. Kendall Grove. Very long, very rangy. <laughs> yep. And uh, Jalen Turner, that new wave of fighter, and uh, it's the evolution of his game for me because he's looking great once known as a striker. Now won two fights in a row via submission on a three-fight win streak in total. All 11 wins via finish. Jalen Turner had hype coming into the UFC, faltered a bit, and now he's right back on it. So uh, shout out to him, Madik, uh, going into that was 7-0, and all finishes as well. So for Jalen to just dominate him like he did, amazing performance. Can't wait to see him back in the cage. I think we did pretty good there with the rapid fire. <laughs> we are we are now done with the MMA weekend recap. Let us know your thoughts on all the action that took down took place took down. Saturday. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Took place Saturday night. Um, what do you think's next for the winners and losers? Uh, let us know all that. We'll feature it on the podcast. But regardless, Dominic, we'll be back on Friday to give the weekend preview once again. But until then, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Yeah, Friday, Bellator UFC. Can't wait. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram in the meantime, at decently 14 You can find the podcast on Twitter Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast, baby. Without the baby. And for me, Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, it'll take you to a link tree that'll provide you with a list of links yes. that don't even remember my outro anymore. Oh. That uh, list of links, all the platforms the podcast is on along with social media platforms that includes, but it's not limited to mm. kind of is hmm. the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel and Spotify, Google and Apple podcast. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor anchor. Shout out. Leaving a voice message. Do it. Come on. If you would like to have your thoughts featured or your voice featured on an episode of the podcast, make sure to leave your thoughts at that link. We will feature it here and give our thoughts on your thoughts. How's that sound? Ooh, that does sound fun. And there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. Just provides us with a small sum of money a month. All that money goes back into improving the quality of the podcast. That's it. We're out. (laughs) We're going to see y'all on Friday. We'll see you then.